Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, hi everyone. Ready to share the Word of God to you today. We're going to dive into the Word and um, wherever you're listening from, we're going to speak about things we can learn from this season from the season that we're in right now. There's a lot of things I really believe God is wanting to teach us. We need to learn the lessons well. We need to pick up what God is actually saying and and live it out because if we don't, we miss out on all that God has for us. So I I really want to reiterate some of the lessons that I believe we can learn from the last three or four months since lockdown. Even since the fact that uh, worldwide lockdown, you know, this pandemic and all that's happened, what is God saying to the church? What are we supposed to pick up? What are we supposed to uh, apply into our hearts? What are we supposed to grow into? If you read in Hebrews as a platform, we want to get into the Word of God as a platform. Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 15, it says, about the children of Israel trying to go into the promised land. This is the context that's happening here. It says, while it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled. They heard the gospel. They heard the good news. They heard the message of, I'm taking you out of slavery. I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to the promised land, the land that flows of milk and honey. I'm going to provide for you there. I'm going to be a cloud by day and a fire of His presence over, over them at night time. So, so this is a great promise that God was going to be with His people and take them into the promised land. It says, for who have heard rebelled. They actually heard, but they rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was He angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Remember that word obey, it's very important. And so we see that they could not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Unbelief leads us to disobedience. And therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel, listen to this, was preached to us as well as it to them. So the, so the children of Israel had the gospel preached to them. It was the good news of taking them out of slavery. It was a type and a picture of us today and bringing them into the promised land. They were baptized through the Red Sea, the Bible says, in, in, unto you know, the Moses when he brought them through the Red Sea, and the, the baptism of the cloud as well, the presence of God. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. The word they heard didn't profit them. Imagine hearing the word of God. Imagine hearing the gospel. Even as believers, we we know the gospel. Imagine knowing the gospel. We've heard the gospel and we hear it every day. The good news of the kingdom. But it doesn't profit us if we don't mix it with faith. So I want to encourage us. I really believe this is on the heart of God's agenda. I'm going to speak, if I can get to it, I'm going to speak to about 10 different things that we can learn in this season. The first one, I believe, um, is is our faith in God's Word for us to to provide us all that we need and not systems, not jobs, not our ability, not even our gifts or our talent. So, so we should have complete trust in God to be our provider. You might think, what's that? 
is that a lesson? Yes, it's a lesson. Because a lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people's businesses, um, you know, lost 30, 40, 50, maybe even 80% of their business. Some of them had to shut down in this season. Think about it. I really believe God's saying, who's your provider? Is it your job that provides for you? Do you really, we say we have faith in God, but are we actually believing our job is going to provide us? So when you lose your job or you lose your business or you lose your income, we should still have faith in God. We should actually not lose our sleep. We should not worry. We should not stress. Why? Because our faith was in God anyway. We're undergirded with God. You're my provider. I trust you. It wasn't my job that was providing. You were also, you were always providing. This is really, really important because I believe there's a sh- that's the shaking. That's a part of the shaking that's taking place. That God wants us to actually have faith completely in Him. Now, we might think, yeah, but God's going to meet my need according to His riches and glory automatically because I'm His child. And, and so if, if um, I have a need, He'll meet my need. Well, God doesn't move by needs. So in this season, if you just think, well, I'll, He's going to meet my need, and you don't release faith, you don't put trust in the Father. I believe God's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. He actually moves. He's moved by our faith. Even a believer that doesn't have faith, God won't meet their need because he's moved by faith. You might think, I don't hear that preached before or anywhere else. Well, it's the truth. Because if God is moved by needs, think about it, all the poor countries in the world, all the needy places of this planet, they would just have to go there, put on a camera and watch God move. Because he cares for those people. He doesn't want anyone to starve. He doesn't want anyone to be sick. And so he doesn't want anyone to die. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to suffer. Just go to the poor places of the earth, bring a camera and watch God move. Why doesn't it happen? Because God's not moved by need. He's moved. We engage God through faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. But when we come to him, we believe that he hears us. So God hears our prayers when we pray in faith. This is vital. I believe God's stirring that. You know, like we as a church, we, had the, we shut down our building. We didn't have church services. And so some of the conversations, you know, with our pastors, one of them was, uh, if you want to put me off, like, if you can't pay me, that's fine. I'll still do what I'm called to do. I'll still pastor. I'll still shepherd people. I'll still love people. Why? Because that, he's not doing it for money. But the point is, we had the conversation, we think, we don't know. Will, will, will the income continue to be what it was before? Because we still got bills to pay. We've got expenses to pay. And I can say this, that we didn't lose, lose sleep. We, we just, you know, your faith is in, Lord, we don't trust. Yes, you use tithes and offering. He uses that in the same way he uses a job for, to provide your need or your ability and your gifts and your talent. But that's not what our source is. We don't look, our focus isn't because i got a job, God's going to provide my need. God's going to provide your need if you're in the desert. God's going to provide your need if you're Elijah and you prophesy now you're out in the desert and he's going to bring a raven to give you meat. And he's going to, he's going to take you to the brook and, so you can drink from the river. And when that dries up, he's still got a way to provide for you. He takes you to a widow. Like God meets our needs. This is a vital lesson, I believe. And, and, and I, you know, like we just got to trust God. Trust God. And you think, Leah, I lost my job. Leah, you don't know what it's like. And I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm saying release your faith in a loving Father. Continue to pray. Believe God because He'll meet your need. He'll make a way because He's the God who spun the universe into existence by the power of His words. That's a vital lesson, I think, that God is shaking. And if we don't learn, us, if we don't learn it like this, the way, the way you know, things have happened, there's going to be more lessons to learn. 
you will go through that same, around that mountain again. Because you're not going to go into the promised land until you learn this lesson. You know, the children of Israel, the reason why the Lord was, um, was uh, grieved with them is because he actually said, you saw my mighty works in, in Egypt. You saw me open up the Red Sea. You saw the plagues come. You saw my hand move. And now you don't believe I can take the promised land? You don't believe you can take those giants? You're afraid of the giants? You think you're grasshoppers in their sight? They should have known better. They should have thought, well, yes, they're giants. And yes, we look small compared to them. But our God... We saw him do great miracles. The, the Egyptian army were a powerful army in those days. And God delivered them. And God expected more of their faith. And so because of that, they didn't go in. They weren't allowed to go in. That whole generation, God waited for 40 years. The whole generation died and their children went in to the promised land. So it's a big lesson we've got to learn. is faith in the Father, faith in God, no matter what we go through. It's trusting that he's the great provider. The Lord is my shepherd, we shall not want. Number two is, I believe this really, really vital foundational lesson we have to learn. If we don't learn it now, we're going to have to go around the mountain again until we learn it. And it's this one. Establish our own intimate love relationship with our Father. To hear His voice to us for ourselves. I believe this is very important. I believe the shaking that's taken place. God said in the last days, I'll shake heaven and I'll shake the earth. Why? It's because he wants his people, his children, to trust him and know how to hear his voice. I think it's vital. I think it's important that every believer can hear the voice of God. Because Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. That means his people can hear God. We should be able to hear the Father for ourselves. Now, what happens when this happens? When you're intimate with the Father, you're close to him, you hear his voice, then when you hear other voices, it's a confirmation if it's from God. If Because you're going to hear lots of voices and some aren't from God. And you'll know, no, that's not from God because I know the Father's voice. That's not what my Father's saying. That is, that, is, that's, that is actually not God speaking. But there's a lot of voices out there. And a lot of people go on the internet and they want to hear, what is God saying? He this prophet and that prophet and that prophet. That's fantastic. But once that's because you've got the foundation that you're hearing the voice of God. And so what you hear is a confirmation. It's a witness. It's a peace. It's a yes. Even if you've never heard it before, you just know that's from God because I know the voice of God. Does that make sense? But if you don't, you'll be running around to and fro everywhere, left, right and center because you don't have it for yourself. What, what's the test to this? There's a lot of things. God is trying to say, just spend time with me. Make sure you prioritize me. Elijah, in a time of great um, miracles, I mean, he, that's when, he, when, when the fire from heaven came down and, 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 and lapped up the, the water, the trenches and the sacrifice in front of all the crowd of Israel and the prophets of Baal were murdered, were killed. They were killed because they were, they were leading the people Australians, 850 were killed because Elijah heard God and cleansed Israel and showed him who the true living God was. But then he runs away from the queen. And he's running, running, and he goes into confinement. He goes into um, isolation because he has to hear God. And he, and, and he knows, I've got to hear God. And, and basically he goes into the cave in isolation and to hear the voice of God, and it says, the Lord God passed by. I remember thinking about this. Is this a natural thing that's happening? But it actually says, the Lord God passed by, and it was a mighty wind. Mighty wind were blowing, and the rocks moved, and the rocks fell, and the rocks split, and, and it says the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then an earthquake hit, because the Lord God is there. I mean, this is a manifestation of God's presence. 
and the Lord is in, it wasn't in the earthquake. Then a fire. God's presence. Jesus, God is fire. It's full of fire, the Bible says. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. Great manifestations, great power. You'd think, surely that's a powerful thing. God must be in that. He says, no. Then he heard a still, small voice and put on his cloak over his head. And he went outside and he knelt down to hear the voice of God. Still, small voice. And he heard God speak to him, gave him direction. I believe in these last days we have to hear the voice of God for ourselves. You say, but I'm a baby Christian. You can still hear the voice of God. You have the word of God. God speaks through the word continually. Get in the word every day. Let the word speak to you. You'll hear the voice of God. You'll discern it. You'll be able to have a filter to hear, is this God or is it not God? Let me say this. From lockdown, we've probably been um, locked down for the last three months. Well, the building hasn't been, you know, church services, gatherings hasn't been on for the last three months. Now, I would say that if you, you spend time with the Father and you hear the voice of God and you know how to hear the voice of God for yourself, you should come out of those three months more on fire, more in love with Jesus, more passionate for God and for souls than you were when you went into it three months ago. That's a good test. Because if you're reliant, you know, we, we need one another 100%. God designed us to need one another. We're codependent. We're dependent on the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. I need everyone else. I need the gatherings, yes. But my relationship with God can keep me alight and on fire, even if we weren't able to meet. I believe God wants us to establish this foundation strongly. And they'll come in waves. You'll have other opportunities to learn it. But, you know, as, you, as we regather, as the restrictions are lifted and we regather, I'm encouraging you, keep laying the foundation where you hear the voice of God for yourself. Number three is God is realigning and resetting us. Everybody's speaking. Prophets are speaking. Everybody's picking up the heart of God. What's God wanting to do? What, God, what is God saying to the church? And it's repent. That means to go back, to, to repent is to go back to the high place, the penthouse. The word pent is that word penthouse. It's a high place, a high view. And it's, I believe, repent to change your thinking and think God's thoughts. Change your thinking to come in line with God's thoughts, God's kingdom. Repent is to change your thinking. Realign. Reset ourselves. But reset to what? Realign to what? To the Word of God to realign ourselves to God's pattern that's already in the Word. Now, I really believe this with all my heart. God is resetting, realigning, bringing us back to Jesus as the prototype. The word prototype is, is referred to in the, in the Bible as Jesus being the firstborn of all creation. He's the prototype. We were cut from Jesus. Our DNA is Jesus because we were born from Him. He, he was the firstborn from the dead. We were born after Him. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He was born from the dead, and we were born from the dead. We were spiritually dead, and God made us alive with Christ. He experienced the death and resurrection because He died and became our sin, and He was resurrected. We also got resurrected. Our dead spirit is made alive. And so we are realign ourselves to actually Jesus as the prototype. He's our prime example. We follow Him. The Word of God is the pattern, the blueprint. And let me say this, if I can say this, this is what I believe a mature church is. A mature church is taking the blueprint that's already in the Bible, 
things like that the Bible says that we, the church, are, is the body of Christ. So God refers to us as a body. There's many faces of the church, many faces. God does it on purpose because he wants us to be all the faces all at the same time. And a mature church becomes all the faces at the same time. It allows others to express that part of God in the same church, even though they're not like you. And they're completely different. But the the body of Christ, obviously we're all called to be the body of Christ. It's body ministry. Just like our physical body ministers to each each part, and each part has its own function, so it is with Christ. Each part has its own function, so we're we're referred to as the body of Christ. We're referred to as the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. That's a beautiful picture, beautiful face. The army of God, the Bible speaks about would be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Take up the warfare, that we warfare, and take up the armor of God. And speaks of soldiering and being in a particular army because there's an enemy and so on. So again, this bride, and, and, and yet we're a bride. That we're the bride of Christ. We are to be in love with Jesus. This is beautiful, romantic picture of husband and wife and we're going to marry our bridegroom and we're the bride and he's the bridegroom and we're in love with him, he's in love with us. But yet the bride has army boots on. And has a shield and a sword. It's all these, all at the same time. What what else are we? We are a a royal priesthood. That means we're all priests unto God. That's what the Bible says. We're actually priests. We're children of God. We are living stones. We're we're a, a wall, like a temple built, but I'm a living stone, you're a living stone, everyone else is a living stone, and we brought together, we we function, we work together. I think the cement must be the love of God mercy and grace and we we function with one another we give each other honor we esteem one another better than ourselves but we fit together jointly in this building that becomes a temple of the Lord and God dwells in the whole temple Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone a cornerstone was put in place and from that place Jesus being the alignment of the whole building you aligned all the bricks from the cornerstone the apostles and prophets, the teachings of the apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. Again, it gives us a picture of stones in a building. They're all the Word of God. Old Testament tabernacle, Old Testament temple, always a picture of, of Jesus and of the high priest and of the functionality of the church. The, high, the holy of holies and the showbread, the candlesticks, all pointed to Jesus. It says that in Hebrews. And yet... What we've got to be careful of is we might think, well, I'm, I'm, I want to go into the Holy of Holies. That's my ministry. I'm, the pre, I'm a prayer. And there's an intercessor. A priest was an intercessor. Then there's a, 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 the church can become full of prayers, which is great. Some churches are only praying. Others are the, the, you know, the justice church, and we have social justice, and that's the arm of the Lord reaching out to this world, which is still God. It's all valid. It's all from God, and they want to reach the, and, 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 and you know, fight for, social, for justice in any area of the world that needs justice, and yet if we think, well, that's all we should do, and we forget the other things, we're not a mature church. We should be all these all at the same time. A word church, the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. We are, the, we are going to get into the word. Worship, it's all pictures. But we don't just say worship and we don't just do word and we don't just do this, we don't just do one. We do all of them, all those faces, all at the same time. That's a mature church. And when I look at this, it is the blueprint, but each one of them is the methodology. You actually become these things through revelation. And the more you have a revelation of the body of Christ, 
It doesn't stick you to a method and that you're stuck with it forever. This is how you do that. Now, that's why the church is always growing and changing to become more like Jesus. We can be family. We know how to be family greater, with greater revelation, with greater knowledge, greater love. We walk in the, the depth of what it is to be a family. Whether it's talking about 100 years ago, church, to now, we're still growing in the revelation of what it is to be family. And so it's not, it's not, it's not sticking you to a particular structure. It's showing you the pattern, the blueprint of what church is. The Bible does, is written this way in a way to free you, to keep us free. See, some churches are outreaches and you know, we're not going to street ministry. We're going to reach the last. 100% we have to do that. But you, you'd be right to say you, everyone should be going on the streets. And if you don't come out on the streets and do social justice, something's wrong with you. No, let them be the part of the body that they happen to be, whatever that is. They might be the, prayer, the praying part. And let them be the praying part. But in the church, there's maturity. There's enough honor and enough maturity that we let everyone be what they are called to be under God. Number four, the word, this word, as I'm referring to in it, but the word of God being the plumb line for all that we do. In other words, the word of God is our test. How do you know to stay on track or how do you know that you're falling away? I really believe that in these last days, there's, there's a deceiving spirit trying to creep into the church. It's a deceptive spirit. Obviously, the enemy wants to do whatever he can to get people off track. How do you know to stay on track? By the Word of God. But we follow the words of Jesus. We follow the Bible. He established the church on the apostles and the, the writings of the New Testament. And I, I can just show you, this is one of the things that I do. I want to give you some tests because some of us don't know how to test the spirits. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits. God has called us to test the spirits. Listen to this. Test the spirits, whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So there's many false prophets out there right now in the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. This is how you know the Spirit of God. This is how you're going to know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, the word Jesus means salvation. That Jesus, Yeshua, salvation, Christ, it means the anointed one to save, the anointed one to bring salvation in every area of our life, has come in the flesh. So every person that confesses, that really believes and confesses that Jesus Christ, the, the, the anointed one, has come in the flesh to save, that Jesus is the only one to save, he's of God. Look at this. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And now they don't believe that Jesus Christ, the one that's anointed to save, and the only one anointed to save, has not come in the flesh. If you don't believe Jesus is the only way to the Father, then you're falling into deception. Because the Bible actually teaches. Jesus said it himself. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He basically just ended all arguments just there. He just said, you can't go to the Father any other way except through me because He's the way of salvation. The book of Acts explains it. There's no other name given among, he given among heaven that whereby we must be saved. You can't get saved from another name. You can't get saved another way. The Word of God saying, this is how you know. Now you think, I, 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 from this Word, from this revelation many, many years ago, this is how I judge. And I listen to someone that I've never heard before. I want to hear what he or she's saying. 
Are they saying Jesus is the only way to the Father? Do they believe in the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of the Son of the living God, that He came from heaven and He died on the, on the cross and the only way, you put, only way you go to heaven is by putting your faith in Christ? If they say that, then I go, I'm starting to listen. I'm starting to say, okay, this guy's on track. I, I, I believe that there's a real heaven, there's a real hell because the Bible teaches it. And so I will judge that through those lenses, not if they're doing signs and wonders. If someone's operating in signs and wonders and miracles and seeing visions and, and talking to angels and going to heaven and coming back and, and encountering angels and listening, it doesn't impress me if the words, the message that they're speaking is not in line with the Word of God. Because the Bible says, it's, Paul said, be careful of Satan can manifest himself as an angel of light. So I want to make sure if I'm going to start following someone's teaching, I want to make sure they've got the foundation right. I'm not going to listen to them if they don't believe that the Word of God is the Word of God and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's a great test because it tells me that these guys believe the Bible. It doesn't matter if they do signs and wonders and miracles. That's how people are going to get led astray. Now, I believe signs and wonders and miracles are confirmation, 100%. There's other things that we need to discern when we're understanding how do you test something. Some people say, well, if it's not in the Bible, then I don't believe it. It's got to be in the Bible. Now, again, I would say yes to that, and I would say no to that. What do you mean? How can you say yes and no? I'll tell you why. Because yes, it has to be in the Bible, but it has to be in line with the Bible. It has to be in line with the theme of the Bible. What I mean by that, some people say, if it's not in the Bible, then I don't accept it, referring to if God didn't do it in the Bible. See, the Bible, the Word of God, is God's recordings, what He has done with man. This is His past recordings. But does that mean God is limited to what He's actually done in the past and He can't do anything new? Now, when God does something new, it won't be against what's already revealed in the Bible. Like, like you can't find in the Bible manifestations of gemstones. You can't find it, you can't find gold dust can't find certain manifestations that you might see it's not in the bible but does that mean it's not from god because it's not in the bible there's other scriptures in the in the book of psalms that says i am the lord god i sit on the throne and i do what i please i think that just gave god the license that he can do what he pleases so there's a lot of things that are in the, that aren't in the bible because god's never done it before but it doesn't mean god's limited that he cannot do something again but when he does something again he's not going to lead someone astray like it's not going to lead someone away from the theme of the whole bible the truth of the whole bible like i mentioned jesus is the only way to heaven there's no other way for salvation except through jesus that's a basic truth so if an angel came or anyone, you have a manifestation of an angel or, mass, or taken it into a vision or a trance and that angel tries to tell you, you can be saved by doing such and such and you don't have to have Jesus, then I wouldn't believe it. It doesn't matter how real it was. I just would, I'd throw it out. Flush it down the toilet, actually. <laughs> now, I'm just, the theme, I'm getting back to the theme. Because some people go, if it's not in the Bible, this is weird. Uh, I see this manifestation or God is doing something here. It's weird. I've never seen it before. Are you kidding? Do you actually know the Bible? Do you know the Bible? Because if you do know the Bible, you know that there's some weird things in the Bible. There's a lot of actually weird to a natural mind because the, the, the spiritual things of God cannot be understood by a natural mind, the Bible says. It's foolishness to him. But can I just quickly show you just some of the things that are in the Bible that might actually shock us. 
Let me read just a few. These are some of the things that are in the Bible. It's in your word, my word. People going to heaven. People went to heaven. Jesus went to heaven. Paul the apostle went to heaven. John went to heaven. Ezekiel went to heaven. Isaiah went to heaven. There's a lot of people that have been translated, taken into the throne of God and seeing things in heaven, right? And when they see the throne of God and, of, and, and they see angels, some, have, some angels have four heads. That's pretty weird, don't you reckon? Some angels have wings, free wings on that side, free wings on that side, and they're full of eyes. The whole body's full of eyes, front and back, full of eyes, Run, uh, flying around God's throne and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's a pretty weird thing to see. If I saw that creature, I'd probably freak out. People seeing angels, people speaking with angels in the Bible, Ezekiel being lifted by the hair in the spirit. His spirit was taken out of his body and lifted by the hair and, taken and showing, showing him things. Philip was, uh, was transported. Jesus materializing and disappearing. Did you know that? Jesus glowing and transfigured before them, glowing with like the sun. Stephen's face shining like an angel. Moses' face shining. A talking snake. Being led by dreams. Speaking in languages never learnt. Not being able to minister because of the glory of God was so thick with smoke. In the Bible, there's manifestations of fire. That The children of Israel look at the mountain where the Lord was and it looked like it was ablaze with fire. That's a pretty fierce, fearsome manifestation. Jonah swallowed by a fish or a whale. Virgin giving birth. Resurrection of Jesus. Jesus going to hell and taking the keys of Satan. Jesus going to the throne in heaven. Jesus and Peter walking on water. Jesus turning water into wine. Oil multiplying, food multiplying, axe head floating up to the top of the water, Red Sea opening up, the sun standing still for a whole day, the sun going back 40 minutes, back. Ground opening and swallowing up people. That's a pretty weird one. If I told you I was down the other day and these people, the ground opened up and swallowed them. Decreeing a person to blindness for a season. Imagine if I spoke something and that person was blind for a while until he repented. You go, what? That's weird. That's in the Bible. Hearing people talk in privacy of their bedroom and supernaturally. You're not there, but you can hear them talk in their bedroom. Elijah did that. Hearing the audible voice of God. A donkey speaking. Jesus talking to people who have died. He spoke to Moses and Elijah. What about the whole book of the Revelations, the city of God, the new Jerusalem coming from heaven? We can go on and on and on. That's just a few that I thought of in the Bible. That's some weird manifestations. A, a, a demon foaming, screaming, and, and, and a demon comes out and he was like a dead man. That's pretty weird. But Jesus had that in his ministry. We've got to know our Bible. When we say if it's not in the Bible, I don't want to believe it because the Bible has some interesting things but again it's in line if some if God does something new it won't contradict the already revealed word of God if God does something new and as a manifestation it might be a sign and a wonder or some sort of you know it's not an angel would never contradict if he's from God it would never contradict the already revealed word of God that Jesus is the only way for salvation I hope this is making sense because it's important we know how to test how do we test the spirits how do you know they're from God Another thing that I've learned really, really strongly in these last days, I believe, is the mission of God on our lives as a church, which is to preach this gospel of the kingdom to all nations. 
He who believes will be, and is baptized shall be saved, but he who believes not shall be damned. This gospel of the kingdom, the mission, the mandate of this gospel that we're all called to do, and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ will never change. Never. It doesn't change. But the methods, they'll change. Methods are not sacred, but it's easy to get used to method being that we think they're sacred. We want to hold on to the method because we start to sort of love it. And when everything changes, it's like, oh, this is different. I'm not used to it because we get used to tradition and we think method's holy. Method is not holy. It's not sacred. Method is going to change. Once upon a time, we turned on a box this thick, this thick, and it was black and white. We watched it from our lounge room. But they get up to change the channel, sit back down, have arguments. You change the channel today. We finally got the remote control. Woo! But that's, it, it's changed, hasn't it? The method of watching a movie has changed back from the 70s to now. We've got the VHS has come out. VHS or bigger, but VHS. You can actually watch a movie when you chose because the TV put on a movie whenever it wanted to. You had a TV guy, but you didn't have no control of it. You couldn't predict what movie they were going to put on. You just watch what they put on and get excited when they put on a good one. But VHS and then the video stores, going to a video store to get one. That's now old, isn't it? It's dinosaur. Imagine trying to go to a video store now and trying to get a video. Or Videos change to DVD. DVD the methods are changing. But the delivery, the mission, the mission was to watch a movie. Now it's on our, I remember they used to say TVs and internet is going to come together as one. I couldn't get it. When I first heard that many, many years ago, how does it, how's the TV going to connect to the internet? How's it going to merge? How's it going to happen? Method's changing. Now you just watch Netflix. Now you just put on movie, whatever you want to watch because it's on your internet provider. You can get the TVs. People, young people watch TV on their laptop. Everything's changed. The method has changed. And I believe it's happening with the church too. The methods will change, but the mission doesn't. The mandate doesn't. Number six, I'll give you really quickly. The wealth of the wicked is being transferred to the righteous. It's a vital thing. I really believe this with all my heart. The wealth of the wicked is transferred because when, when Israel came out of Egypt, I don't know if you know this, God told them, go ask them for the silver, gold and, and precious stones and get, get the jewelry off them. And when they asked them, they, they, wanted, they just wanted them out of there. They gave them everything. They spoiled the Egyptians and took the silver, the gold, the jewelry. And the wealth of the wicked was transferred to the righteous. And they used that to build the temple and the kingdom and so on. I believe in these last days, God is calling the church, God's people, to receive the wealth of the wicked, to use it for the kingdom and to preaching of the gospel. God's going to give you entrepreneur ideas. It's going to give you creative ideas, thoughts that you've never thought of before. Be open to it. It it is built on the foundation, obviously, of tithing and offering and being generous and sowing and reaping and and, and meeting people's needs and just being generous everywhere we go because if we we, we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then God can trust us with wealth because wealth won't distort us. It won't get us off track because we're already seeking first the kingdom of God. There's a number of other things. Seven was everything that can be shaken will be shaking so that the unshakable kingdom will remain. If you think, Leo, what's happened in these last 
few months is phenomenal. I can't believe what we're, it's just the beginning of the shaking. It's just the beginning of the last days. It's just the beginning of the world being shaken so that whatever cannot be shaken, you know what cannot be shaken? Everything that's built on the kingdom can't be shaken. If you build your life on King Jesus and your love for God, it won't be shaken. Everything's going to be shaken. And I think it's the beginning. I really do. I don't want to scare anybody, but I don't, I, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid, actually. Lord, bring it on. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be fantastic because the church is going to shine regardless. I've really run out of time. Eight was God wants us to live by faith and not fear. I just sense the spirit of fear tried to grip the church, tried to grip the people. And we cannot allow fear for one second grip our hearts. Because it'll, it, I'm telling you if, you, if you allow fear to grip your heart, and if I allow fear to grip my heart, I will miss the will of God. I will miss the will of God. Now again, this is just the beginning of what we don't know what's going to happen except the book of Acts. I mean, so the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, Matthew tells us a lot of things that we know that what's going to happen. The last one was, the number nine was birthing through prayer. I believe we need to pray in the Spirit like never before. I would encourage you to do that. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit take over you. Get, get with a few brothers and sisters. Get with a few believers and just pray. Get in a room. Get close to each other and just pray in the Spirit. And let the Holy Spirit pray through you. I really believe God's going to birth things through the church. This is, it's a birthing season. Where we've run out of time to talk, but it's a birthing season. And the last one was the harvest time. This beautiful, glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is going to ring out of your lips wherever you go all day long, every day. Amen. The gospel, the harvest is ripe. Laborers are few, but God's raising up laborers in these last days. God is still thinking of souls, 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 souls. Jesus is in heaven and He's passionate about souls right now, right now. Amen. So we're going to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not accepted Him as your Lord, if you never knew that Jesus was sent by the Father God to take your place, to take my place, and He died on the cross, a cruel death became sin. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It was a great exchange. The wisdom of God was, I'm an exchanger. A perfect man that never ever sinned is going to consume the judgment of God so that mankind can be forgiven of their sins forever and ever. And that is a free gift. Free gift for you and I. You don't have to do anything to deserve this. You don't have anything to earn it. You just accept what God has done for you on your behalf. Jesus did it for you. He defeated the enemy for you. He paid the penalty for you so you don't have to. So if you're in that place, you say, Leah, I am ready to accept Jesus Christ. I need Him in my life. I need to make Him Lord of my life. Just pray this prayer. Father, I thank You for sending Jesus. I thank You for Him dying on the cross. I believe with all my heart that He died in my place. He consume the judgment of God so that I could be forgiven. I open up my heart. I ask Him to come in. I turn away from my sin and I make Him Lord of my life. Be my Lord and be my Saviour. I will follow You all the days of my life in Jesus' Name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, God accepts you as you are. He forgives you. He washes you clean. No shame, no guilt. 
no sin, no record of sin, deleted, gone forever. Now you're a child of God. Now you need to walk with God. It's the beginning of a new day, new creation, freely forgiven. You can have a relationship with God. Now you can, now you can find a good Bible-believing church and read the Word and tell someone you became a Christian. Be blessed. We love you. And thanks for being with us. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.